Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Sappho Podcast. Joined today by the one and only Aaron Torres. He'll be calling in shortly. He, uh, he hasn't forgotten a little man yet. Being a big Fox Sports guy now and being all over the radio and TV. Very soon he's going to be like everyone else and going to forget us. You got to bear up my voice a little bit. After Kentucky's awesome win yesterday, my voice is uh, going in and out. I've been drinking a lot of hot tea. Still shaking from beating Wichita State. Uh, we're going to talk to Aaron Torres about Kentucky's stack bracket. Mostly Kentucky stuff. We'll talk a lot about UCLA, how they beat him. Him being out in L.A. and being really, really cool. Well, here's Aaron Torres right now. Aaron, welcome to the show, my friend. I was about to give you a big intro. Uh, Mike, uh, yeah, you talk about me being cool, cool and hip here in L.A., you know, I, I'm feeling a little less cool and hip because you told me a year ago you were going to come visit me, and I, I, I've been sitting at the airport and, uh, you know, <laughs> illegally parked waiting for you ever since. What happened? Well, I'll take care of any parking tickets you have, but here's the issue. It's cheaper to uh, fly to Singapore, to Paris, all over Europe and South America than it is to fly to L.A. You know that. Yeah, you know what the difference is, though? I'm not in Singapore or Paris or uh, Rome or wherever else you're going. However, I will say if you give me the invite, I might have to take you up on it because, uh, you know, now that Hoops is winding down, i got a little more free time on my hands. So what's going on, dude? Yo, we don't even talk anymore. You're too busy hanging out with Kenny Anderson and, you know, King of Queens and, you know, uh, Deacon and, and uh, you know, Spencer. Like, all, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like you have time for me anymore, man. Well, now you're short. Yeah, you forgot about Michael K. Williams, and you forgot Jackie Martling from Howard Stern's coming on tomorrow. He's meeting up with us. You're forgetting all these other people, man. Yeah, I know. I know. You know who you're forgetting me, but it's okay, though. It's okay. It's cool. (laughs) Listen to me. First of all, before we get to this, how much more, like, how many more days do I have your phone number before I have to start going through your handlers and stuff like that? Um. I don't know. It's a good question. We'll see. We'll see. I think right now, though, uh, we're good. Uh, it's, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, so uh, I actually told somebody this this morning. So um, LeVar Ball, who's obviously made all kinds of national headlines, I've known him for years. I really like him. I think he's a very smart guy, and I think, uh, you know, he's obviously got very gifted sons. But I was just telling somebody today, now that he's a TV star, I can't get a hold of him anymore. He used to uh, <laughs> pick up all my calls, but uh, no. So he uh, – but so I, I'm not on a LeVar Ball status yet, and uh, you can call me anytime you want. You know that. Hey, let's talk about him real quick because my brother can care less about college basketball, yet he, he hit me up asking about Lonzo Ball and UCLA. The dad's doing something right. Is he a, de- is he a detriment or is he good to the son? You know, so my takeaway is, um, you know, first of all, what, what you have to know and what I always tell people about LeVar the person that you see on Fox Sports or ESPN or whatever, this, that's the same guy that it, he's the same way at his breakfast table at 8 a.m. when you're just shooting the <laughs> shit with him. And so, seriously, seriously. And so, you know, look, um, it doesn't seem to bother Lonzo because this is his dad. This is who he, this is who he grew up with. And, you know, it, it's funny to me because all of the stuff that, that he is now making national headlines for, maybe not so much, you know, talking about him playing one-on-one with MJ, but, you know, he's been telling me since the first day I met him, Lonzo's going to be the best player in the NBA. Um, you know, I, the first time I met him, 
you know, I was at one of Alonzo's games when he was in high school, and I said, you know, who would you compare your son to? He goes, he's Magic Johnson with a more consistent jump shot. And was Alonzo was probably a junior in high school at this point, and obviously I thought the guy was a little crazy. But everything that he said so far has come true. Um, Lonzo has been, I think, to a national audience, a total revelation. I think he should be the number one pick in the draft. And, you know, what I always say about LeVar is this, is that, you know, if, if he had called this show 10 years ago, Mike, and said, I have three sons, um, they're all going to team up to win a state championship together, go 35-0, and beat the best teams in the country. Um, all three are going to earn Division One scholarships to UCLA, and my oldest might be the number one pick in the draft. If he had just told you those three things a decade ago, you would have said, this guy's out of his mind. What is he talking about? Well, all three of those things have come true so far. Um, and so to me, I don't really doubt or question him because everything he says seems to come true. I sat at his breakfast table in October, and he told me, you know, if everything lines up, Lonzo's going to end up a Laker. And I'm sitting there thinking, they got a top three protected pick. There's, there's no way they're going to be in the top three. And now you look at it you know, eight months later or whatever it is, and he might end up a Laker. So, to me, I, I, I like LeVar. You know, it's not personally how a lot of the things he does is not personally how I would decide to do things. But, you know what, they work for him. They work for his family. Um, his kids adore him. It, it hasn't bothered Lonzo in the least, as best I can tell. And so, if it doesn't bother Lonzo and it doesn't bother his two youngest, who am I to say that it's right or wrong? Out in L.A. right now, is it more Lakers, or is everybody caught up in the Bruins thing right now? Well, I think, frankly, it's a combination of both. I mean, I think one naturally leads into the other, is that um, because the Lakers are so bad and because there's a hometown kid who's from Southern California potentially leading this uh, the local school to a national championship, I think it's a combination of both. You know, I think that kind of a UCLA thing, um, where I think for the first time since I've lived here, there was real UCLA basketball fever. People were showing up to the games. It was a real kind of electric environment. And then, frankly, because a lot of what LeVar said, you know, I think people started putting the puzzle pieces together. Like, this is the – Lonzo is the piece that could potentially save the franchise. So I think um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, you know, LeVar always helps stir the pot, but I think that Right now, everyone's kind of putting those puzzle pieces together and really hoping that they live in a world where this kid who has been nothing short of a revelation for UCLA uh, ends up being nothing short of a revelation for the Lakers next year. Is it true he's only going to play for the Lakers? Did He, he said that, right, the dad? No, no, that was misinterpreted, and it, okay, I, okay, I haven't okay. actually talked, talked to him. Since. No, no, it's not your fault. It was misreported. It wasn't anything that, that you know, it's – it, what, what really kind of upsets me in the <clears throat> excuse me the modern media today is that you know everyone wants to pick up a couple Twitter followers and everybody wants to um, you know be be a hot shot on Twitter and you know one thing I always respect about a guy like Jay Glazer, Adrian Wojnarowski, the the true kind of journalist that we have is that they'll tell you that 90% of the stuff they hear, 99% of the stuff they hear never makes it out because they can't substantiate it and report it. So. What happened was LeVar went on a radio interview um, with the uh, some some station in Arizona. They were playing Arizona that night. And some producer tweeted out, LeVar Ball says, my son will only play for the Lakers. And like an hour later, LeVar got, uh, somebody got in touch with him from ESPN, and LeVar said, that's not what I said at all. What I said was, is that, you know, we're hoping and praying that he's a Laker and, and this and that. And 
look, LeVar is a smart guy. He knows the Lakers might not even have a first-round pick. For your listeners who don't know, their pick is top three protected, which means that if it falls outside of the top three, they don't get to keep their pick. So LeVar's no dummy. I mean, he's not sitting here saying, you know, I want my son to wait till the second round to get drafted. I think he's just hoping. You know, like, and so, but it was a, it was a producer from an Arizona radio station. Um, I, I still to date have not heard the audio. He's never shared the audio kind of publicly. So I thought it was a real kind of poor moment on his part and poor decision um, because, you know, it, it was to me an attempt to get a couple more Twitter followers. And in the process, you know, you kind of made yourself and your, your company look like an idiot. During March Madness now. Now, I truly don't enjoy this, and UConn's not in it right now, so I know you're not enjoying it. As, like, you probably can enjoy it a little more than I can right now without a team being in it. Where does a person like Aaron Torres, who reports on all this, where do you watch these games? Do you sit at home and watch all the games? Yeah, I sit at home. Um, you know, I'll obviously I'll be at the Final Four, but for these first two weekends, um, you know, I just find myself to be more productive at home. You know, obviously uh, I work in an office, a lot of great colleagues, but, you know, when – when everybody else is kind of covering different sports and your job is to write on whatever's happening that night or that day, um, it can be a little distracting when everybody in the office has that 12 seed setting the five and they're going crazy and you're trying to write. <laughs> so uh, as a general rule, I like to stay at home. You know, it's funny. I've never been a huge, you know, watch games with buddies at a sports bar. Certainly not, um, you know, as I've become a professional in this business now, you know, there are times and places, obviously, like everybody else, I'll go to a Super Bowl party or whatever. But, uh, you know, but uh, for the tournament, yeah, I'm usually mostly all at home just kind of watching and trying to react as best I can to whatever the storylines are from the, the, the tournament as it kind of unfolds. I love that you wrote that you hate the upsets in, like, the first and second round because I actually feel the same way. I, I want to watch good games. It would suck to watch all these teams. So the lack of upsets, so I hate going to the bar, number one, because you hear everyone, who do you have in your bracket? When they haven't watched one game yet, every person you know picks every 12 seed. It bothers me so much. And you nailed it perfectly. During Selection Sunday, the biggest thing people talking about was Syracuse not being, not being in the tournament. Who cares? Let's talk about the South bracket that's so stacked beyond belief. But everybody wants to talk about the Syracuse and the 12 seed. It gets so annoying that everyone's an expert come March, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, you know, the, the good thing is it's weird because everyone does, like, the outrage thing for, like, probably, like, a 12-hour window, and then it just <laughs> turns into, yeah, and then it just turns into who do I have, who are my picks, who are my upset picks, this and that. So, um, you know, it's funny um, to to see the reaction of it all, and it's funny because, you know, obviously at this time of year I'm doing a lot of interviews and stuff like that, and it really is the same five questions everywhere you go is, you know, who do you have as your upset picks? Can this 12 beat this five? Is this finally Gonzaga's year? Who's your final four, this and that? <laughs> but look, man, you know, I also think, like, in all seriousness, I think it's a great time of year. And, and you and I are guys that love the sport of college basketball, you know, 365 days a year. But we're plugged in from the first day of, of games in mid-November till the last day of games in April. So, you know, even though um, – you know, it gets a little annoying, like you said, talk, you know, hearing so-and-so talk about, you know, so-and-so upset or my bracket's busted or whatever. I just like that for, even if it's only a three- or four- or five-week stretch, that college basketball is the center of attention. And I love the tournament. It's my favorite time of year. And so, uh, you know, I'll, if the bad is hearing about, you know, Joe Schmo with his 12-seat upset, I'll, I'll take the upside of getting a chance to talk about it with all my friends and family and stuff like that for a couple weeks. 
And I love that college basketball is my favorite sport. And I love finally in New York sports because college basketball is not big up here. But this, the last week and the next two weeks, that's all it's talked about. So it is. It's like Christmas. We finally get to talk about it with normal people without everyone looking at us like, why are we talking about Kansas and North Carolina? They're, you know, they're not a professional team. Who really gives a crap? Well, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you say that people don't cover it. Mike Francesa seems like he is plugged into that to the, the entire to the entire college basketball team. You know, it's great. I actually, I'm the biggest Francesa guy. I love him. I've been listening for legit 25 years. You know, all four of his final four picks, they didn't make it out past yesterday. You know, they're all out, right? I know that. I I, I thought he was actually just still looking at Florida State's schedule, trying to find that Maryland win. So, well, oh, uh, was that was that great audio or what? I'll tell you a funny story about this, that, and it's going to sound like a name drop, but it really isn't. Um, so last week I went on uh, Colin Calvert's radio show, and um, he asked me, like, he's like, did you hear this audio? And I said, honestly, I really didn't. And so I did a segment with him, and we kind of talked about all the standard stuff, what we just talked about, upset, whatever. And he goes to break, and I'm just sitting there listening to the rest of his show while he's doing it. And he said, you know, uh, we had uh, Aaron Torres uh, – huge college basketball guy, uh, you know, thank you for joining him. And, you know, we also are going to welcome in another college basketball expert, Mike Francesa. And he rolled that tape, and he rolled that tape, and that was the first time that I had heard it. And it really was everything that everyone made it out to be cringe for the sad, pathetic, uh, uncomfortable, you know, whatever verbiage you want to use, it was all of the above. So, uh, that was the first time that I heard it, and yeah, it it was, it was it was something else. And you know, I mean, I've never been a big Francesa fan, but you know, you guys obviously like him in New York. But um, you know, I, I think that guys in the media sometimes sometimes your strength is admitting what you don't know, and that's why you have guests, and that's why you bring in people that know what they're talking about, and that's mm-hmm. why I like somebody like Colin Cowherd. And I'm not I'm not saying it just because, but. He's an inquisitive person by nature. He wants to learn about stuff that he doesn't know. He tries to make his audience smarter. And I'm just kind of surprised that Francesa would just kind of, I know they call him the Pope, and he really was kind of sitting on his throne there trying to be holier than everybody else. And it's like, dude, just call up John Rothstein. Call up one of these great basketball minds that's in, in New York City and have them on to break down the bracket. It didn't seem that tough to me, but, uh, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Not to make the whole show about Francesa, that's my only knock on him. Because I'm a big fan. I'm a huge Yankee fan. He's a great Yankee guy. I just hate that. Truthfully, listen, he's married. He has kids. He can't watch every college basketball game. He's not like, you know, so just, you know, oh, I don't know much about this game. He was trying to break down games. His final four was Wichita State, Notre Dame, Duke, and Louisville. They're all out. And he won't won't admit it. And that's always the biggest issue. He won't admit, like, hey, I – I messed up. I didn't watch enough games I did. And that's my only knock on him. I hate when he does that. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I mean, this is why, and, you know, I don't host radio or anything like that. But if I did a national show, I'm obviously plugged into more, or even a local show. I'm just plugged into more sports than it. I'm plugged into certain sports more than others. And so if it's a, if it's a time of year where baseball is a hot topic, I'm not going to go up there and pretend like I, I've been following baseball. I'll bring on people that know baseball to break down the topics and and you know it, like I said there are so many smart people that cover this sport that I'm sure would kill to get on the show because to your point I mean he's an icon and he's great at what he does and it is what it is but it, to, to kind of follow up uh, and that was pretty funny audio for anyone who hasn't heard it I encourage you to go listen it, it was something else now we know about ball we know about the Kentucky guys I always talk about no matter who the guest is I'll bring up a Kentucky guy 
Give me a couple players left still in the tournament, 16 left. They're going to have an impact NBA draft in a few months. Just the guys that are going to have an impact uh, that are left in the tournament? Yeah, guys maybe we'll see in the lottery, guys we should look out for. That's a great question. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who's even still in it. So, yeah, I mean, I think the obvious ones are probably the ones that everybody already knows, but Josh Jackson from Kansas is awesome. I mean, look, he's a wing player. He's big. He's probably like 6'9", 6'10". He can shoot threes. You know, what's cool about him at Kansas is that he's kind of playing by default. You know, they, they lost the big guy to injury. And so he's been kind of forced to play this kind of stretch four type position. And that's frankly what he's going to have to play when he gets to the next level. So uh, he's a great defender. He's a great athlete. He plays hard. Um, I think he could potentially be a top two or three pick depending on uh, who gets, you know, who gets slotted in at what spot. The concern with him is actually he's had a little trouble with the law, uh, minor stuff, but, you know, obviously when you're betting prospects, that's something that people have to kind of look into a little bit. Everything that I've heard is that it shouldn't affect his draft stock right now, but I think NBA teams are going to continue to do their homework as we go to the draft. Then the other guy uh, is Lowry Markkinen from Arizona. So I'll tell you a true story about him. Um, you know, look, he committed to Arizona late in the process. He's from Finland, right? So he's from Europe. Obviously, he never played high school basketball here. And my scouting friends, you know, my, my uh, people that cover recruiting were like, oh, he would be a five-star kid if he played here. So I, I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. So the under-19 uh, European championships were this summer. And this is the first year, I don't know what changed, but something in the NCAA bylaws changed where college coaches could now attend that tournament. If you remember, that was actually where – John Calipari, uh, you know, he flew commercial for the first time in like 10 years or something like that, and it was a big fiasco. He was tweeting about it or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I had a, I had a buddy who, who coaches, you know, D1 basketball. He's an assistant. He came back. He said, there's this dude from Finland who's going to Arizona. He goes, mark it down. He goes, he will be a top five pick. And at the time, you know, he was considered maybe a one-and-done guy, maybe a top 15, top 20 kind of guy. And i got to give this guy credit. You know, I won't name him because I, I, I don't know if there's any rules against it or whatever because it's not his player. But, you know, this guy just nailed it. I mean, Lowry Markkinen's been awesome. He's averaging, I think, like 16, 17 a game. Um, he's a, a great three-point shooter. He's seven-feet guy for a guy his size. Great athlete uh, for a guy his size. I think he's just going to just take the NBA by storm at, at, at some point. I mean, he's not going to be great early on. But, you know, I, I see what Porzingis has done, and I know Porzingis, speaking of sitting on a throne in New York City, like, you know, obviously Porzingis is the guy. But mm-hmm. I think Markkinen can be a really, really, really good NBA player, all-star caliber guy with the right team. You know, the funny thing about the NBA draft, which always cracks me up, and, and really sports in general, is that we think it's this great meritocracy where, you know, the cream always rises to the top, and sometimes it's just about who do you get drafted by? Who's your coach? What position are you put in? All that kind of stuff. And so, like so many other guys, I think marketing could be really good if he goes to the right situation. We'll just see if that ends up happening or not. And it's really, frankly, the case for virtually everybody in the draft. Real quick, because I actually didn't watch many of his games, West Coast guy. That kid, what's his name? Fultz from Washington, the point guard. Is he that good? Yeah. Okay, Stud? so. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. This is what, I mean, okay. this is what I always tell people, is that if, if you talk to – basketball people like so I, I you know look you know there's obviously this kind of great kind of divide in sports right now between 
you know, analytics guys and kind of eye test guys and all that kind of stuff, right? And so I'm more of an eye test guy. And so you talk to basketball people, you talk to scouts, what they'll tell you is there are things that Fultz does that can't be taught. He just, his, you know, athleticism, his quick twitch motion, um, his ability to change speeds, you know, change direction while handling the ball. I mean, stuff like that that would kind of bore the common fan. Mm-hmm. NBA scouts are just over the moon with. Um, now, what I can also tell you is that I'm more of a practical guy, which is why I bring up the whole, um, dude, I swear on my life I'm on the highway right now. I think I just drove by Jeff Fisher, which would be the most L.A. thing in the history of the world. <laughs> you love me, uh, I love it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, if I was name-dropping, I'd name-drop somebody cooler than Jeff Fisher. But anyways, uh, so, so, um, so anyway, so, uh, or, oh, Markel Fultz, right. So well, yeah. I talk about the analytics versus the eye test guy. I don't want to sound like the old guy, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier at the bar where, oh, you know, back in my day. But, like, I watch Markel Fultz, and you see flashes of what everybody likes, but I don't see this franchise-changing, franchise-altering, NBA-altering kind of player. Um, and it's funny because, you know, people want to compare him and his situation at Washington to Ben Simmons last year with LSU. You know, Ben Simmons at one point had LSU at 19-9 and and firmly in the NCAA tournament. And then they fell apart late. They got on a losing streak, and they never recovered. I think they finished something like 19-14 and 14 or something like that. Um, Fultz, they went 9-22 and 22 with Marshall Fultz this year. Nine, they didn't get ten wins. They lost to Yale. To me, I just don't know how you could tell me. People say, well, he doesn't have much talent around him. I don't know how you could tell me that that guy couldn't get Washington to at least a 500 record, um, and he's going to come in and revolutionize the NBA. I just don't see it. And, and it's funny because and a couple things. One, he put up really good stats, but it's, if you watched him, his stats were deceptive. I mean, he played – UCLA played at Washington on a Saturday night. It was a 10 p.m. tip-off. It was uh, 10 p.m. Eastern tip-off, 7 Pacific. It was on Pac-12 Network, so nobody really got a chance to watch it. And if you just looked at the box score, you'd say, oh, th- this was a pretty even matchup, Lonzo and Markel. Lonzo Ball absolutely destroyed him. I mean, Markel Fultz finished with maybe 24 points, but I think 19 of them came – after they were already down by 20-plus points. And so he was a stat sheet stuffer. He put up good stats. But what I always say is when you turn on a UCLA game, Lonzo Ball pops off the screen. You can tell right away he's the best player on the court. With Markel Fultz, I never felt that. And so to me, I'm just saying, like, you know, if if my whole thing is this, is that I, I truly believe is that, you know, most of these GMs, except for maybe Danny Ainge is going to be, you know, the GMs that are going to be drafting at the top, the Lakers, the 76ers, whatever, you know, their their careers, their jobs might ride on this pick if you get the first overall pick. And if you need a point guard, I'm just saying I wouldn't want to bet my career on Markel Fultz. I don't care what the analytics say. I don't know the raw stats say. I don't care what, you know, a, a scouting report on him is. If you watch him, his impact, he just doesn't have the impact that Alonzo Ball does, that, uh, frankly, that I think a Dennis Smith Jr. had at NC State this year, that a Josh Jackson does on both ends of the court, that Jason Tatum from Duke does. I just, 
just I, all I'm saying is I think he'll be a fine NBA player. I don't think he'll be a superstar, and I wouldn't bet my career on him. I guess that's probably the best way I can put it. No, coming from you, and that means a lot. Now you wrote I'm gonna tell you you wrote a great article, and you titled it the most important piece of journalism ever done. A list of every tourney team most famous alum. I have a problem with two of them. Can you, can you guess which two? You have a problem with two? Two of them, yes. I I can't even begin to guess now. All right, Michigan. How do you have Tom Brady over President Ford? You know what's really funny about that? So I did that during bowl season as well, and I had Gerald Ford in there. No. Uh, <laughs> and, okay. And so and I just I just one I kind of wanted to mix it up. And two, I just kind of feel like, you know, fame is a very vague term. I mean, you know, because you rub, rub elbows with celebrities all the time. Yeah, of course. But, you know, uh, my whole thing is I think that if you ask the average person on the street who is Tom Brady and who is Gerald Ford, I think more people would know who Tom Brady was. I really do, and I think that's sad, and I think it's an indictment on where we are as a society. I also think, you know, Gerald Ford, I mean, I, I don't know now, but he was president 35, 40 years ago. Um but I don't know. So I, I, I could justify that one in my head. So, um, you know, I don't feel great about it, but uh, I went with Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. He just won his fifth Super Bowl. So the only team that can stop him is the Giants. And, and, yeah, and they found his jersey, so everything is great in Tom Brady's world. What's that? They, oh, they found his jersey. jersey. Yep. Yeah, it's down in Mexico. And, wait, who would you have for Florida State? Because I have my little post-it here. And I have Jim Morrison. Who would you have for Florida State? Burt Reynolds. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, you know what, he, he is bigger than Jim Morrison. All right, I feel you on that one. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Apologies. Now, listen, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a lot of Kentucky fans had issues with me putting Ashley Judd on there as the number one celebrity. But I just feel like, again, if you ask the average person on the street, it's kind of like one of those, you know, uh, what's it called, family feud. We surveyed 100 people. I feel like more people would know who Ashley Judd is than Anthony Davis or John Wall or somebody like that, you know? No, no, you are fair with that. Besides a Kentucky fan, unless you're a big basketball fan, you're not going to know Anthony Davis. I'll use my mom. My mom knows nothing. She knows Kentucky. She'll watch these five games. So she'll know a couple of players. Yep. It's, actually, it's actually Judd. We, you have to admit that. Come on. Very rarely is an athlete going to be the most famous person. So you're right on that one. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, especially at a, a school like Kentucky that has, you know, 30, you know, whatever it is, four or 5,000 alums a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, Michael Jordan was on the list. And, and, and what I was going to say was some of the smaller schools, like, like St. Mary's, they really don't – it's a 3,000-person school. They really don't have a lot of alums. So, uh, you know, Matthew Delvedo was probably the most famous person from there. But uh, I would say without a doubt that Ashley Judd, with all due respect to Anthony Davis or Randall Cobb or whoever, uh, that Ashley Judd is the most famous person that's ever gone to this. Talking about vacations, are you want to go to Egypt to watch Coach Cal with the under-19 team in a few months? That's where, that's where I'm going to be headed. You should go there. No way. Are you really going? I'm thinking about it. I, was, I actually just got back from vacation, and I'm looking at, like, flights, and it's super cheap, like, to fly to Paris and then go to, like, to shoot down there. It's, like, $240 from New York to Paris and 120 from Paris to Cairo. I'm talking right now with my friends. Like, right before we, you called in, we were texting about, going, I want to go there and watch it for a few days. That would be pretty cool. Uh, when is that, July, June? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the end of June or early July. Fox Sports yeah, paying sadly, you to go out there. I'm telling yes. I was going to say, sadly, my sister's getting married around that time, so I think I probably have to be back for that wedding um, rather than flying to Egypt to watch, you know, 19-year-old <laughs> basketball. But, you yeah, know, we'll see. 
We'll see. We can talk off there. I'd be into it. Uh, All right, a couple more questions. Randomly, who's the next Indiana coach? Indiana head coach? Yes. I, so my general understanding of the whole situation is this, is that I think that Chalford would accept the job. I don't know if he's their first choice as a candidate. I, I, I can't put those two puzzle pieces together. You know, if you look at the whole Steve Alford situation, I mean, it kind of is just lining up perfectly for him to take that job. I mean, one, you know, people forget that this time last year, Steve Alford was on the hot seat. And even if, even if they, even if UCLA goes on to win the national championship, I do just kind of wonder, you know, how long does that honeymoon last before, you know, the UCLA fan base, as we discussed earlier, it's very fickle. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, how long does that honeymoon last? And you kind of look at every all the, the variables lining up. Um, his son is a senior. Um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, you're losing the number one pick in the draft in Lonzo. Um, the fact that, you know, it's Indiana. I mean, this is, you know, he's not just leaving to take a job. This is his hometown, his home state, where he's an icon, where he led the school to a national championship and where he can be kind of the quote-unquote savior. And so, to me, I, I think it just I, – I just don't – I don't see a good reason for him to turn it down. You know, mm-hmm. if this was 20 years ago and he might get another two or three years on Alonzo, then I'd say it might be a different ball game. But, but Alonzo's going pro. And so, to me, I, I, I think everything seems to be lining up perfectly for him to – one, for, for them to offer the job and for him to be a viable candidate, and then, two, for him to take it – I just can't figure out if there are guys ahead of him on the list, um, be it a Archie Miller, a, a Greg, or not, yeah, Archie Miller, or Greg Marshall. I think the only guys really that are ahead of him on the list are probably unrealistic guys in the NBA, like a Billy Donovan, like a, uh, Brad Stevens. I've been pushing for Fred Hoiberg, but that doesn't seem to have very much traction. So, um, to me, yeah, I think it's. I think it ends up being Steve Alford. I think that. We've been talking about, I keep saying the word puzzle pieces, but all the puzzle pieces seem to kind of be fitting together on this one to make it kind of a, a, a kind of an easy reunion, if you will. Now, you, I, I, I tweeted this out in the beginning of the tournament. You and I know you met him, Eddie Pele, are the, truly the two guys I go to if Kentucky's playing a random team I don't know about because you guys are the only guys up at 3.30 in the morning watching a Hawaii versus Idaho Tech game. Who cares? A few teams left. Obviously, if big names, not the monster teams. What teams besides the besides the South Bracket, which we'll finish up with, any other teams that you expect to go far? Maybe a Wisconsin team or Gonzaga, West Virginia, Xavier. Do you think any of those teams are good enough? Obviously, one of them are going to go to the Final Four. Do you think any of them are good, good enough to win it? Uh, to win it, I don't know. First of all, by the way, Idaho Tech had a really good squad this year. They got <laughs> talk about Syracuse. Talk about Syracuse getting screwed on Selection Sunday. Idaho Tech got Aaron, real quick, I'll make a joke to Eddie. I'm like, all right, Ed, what are you watching? Uh, like, Cal Tech. He's like, yeah, that point guard had not. He knows he can't tell you anything about the Duke point guard. He'll break down Arizona <laughs> State's backup point guard and stuff. He's the greatest. All right, so and any of those teams good enough to win it? You think or no? No, I mean, I look. You know, I. I thought Villanova was good enough to win it, and they're out of the tournament. I thought Duke was good enough to win it. So I don't really – like, I guess at this point nothing would really surprise me. My hunch is that I think that there's probably only four or five teams that are really talented enough to get through the next four games. Um, 
But would it surprise me if an eight seed Wisconsin was in the Final Four? Would it surprise me if seven seed Michigan is in a Final Four? No, not at all. I mean, look, the 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 South is clearly the best bracket remaining. The mid uh, the the East is kind of the most wide open. I think the most interesting is the Midwest because I think that if Kansas even gets by their next game, I think that the winner of Oregon Michigan is going to be a tough matchup for them. I mean, if Michigan gets to that game. They're going to have so much momentum, so much good karma, playing so well. And then Oregon is a really, really good team that lost their, their, their you know, a, a key center kind of front court player. But Kansas isn't really a team that's going to kill you in the front court. So I think that Oregon could potentially expose them there. So I, I, I guess I would say out of the obvious teams, the team that I think is most likely to win besides the obvious ones, the UCLA, Kentucky, Kansas, whatever – is probably Oregon because they were in the Elite Eight last year. They have NBA players. I would say that they would probably surprise me the least, but I don't think I'd be surprised if they lost in the next round of Michigan either. You mentioned Villanova and Duke. Oh, the New York brokers got killed. They The t- ticket prices yep. were through the roof. Villanova, Duke, Vill- not too many people are going to buy Wisconsin, South Carolina. <laughs> oh, that, that's a tough one. All right, two more questions for you. Yeah. Yeah. For real, when are, you come, when are you coming to New York City? Uh, we can talk about that off air pretty soon, though. Pretty soon. Okay, and number pretty two. Pretty soon, that's all I can say. Uh, Bad no, answer, fine. I know. But it's just... so, well, we'll talk off air. And right now, I want the – don't just say because I'm on suicide watch. Kentucky, UCLA, Kentucky's a one-point underdog. Do they beat UCLA Friday night at the ungodly hour of 10 p.m.? Uh, I have some good news and bad news for you. The, okay. the bad news is – I think that UCLA is going to beat them. The good news is I've been wrong on pretty much every prediction so far this <laughs> tournament. So, so you know, if, if there's if there's a hunch I've had, it's basically been wrong. I mean, I thought I thought Villanova was good enough to win it all. I thought that UCLA would actually struggle with Cincinnati, you know, Arkansas out of the building. I thought Duke would easily advance. Duke to losing to South Carolina was by far the most surprising result oh, of this tournament to me. Um, so to answer your question, I mean, look, you know, if we've learned anything, it's that nobody is invincible. By the way, if I can go back to the last question, if I could actually take a team that's kind of a little bit off the radar, I think it'd be West Virginia. Their defense is just so phenomenal and so ferocious. I think they're going to give Gonzaga fits this, uh, in, the, in the Sweet 16, and I think they're absolutely capable of slowing down Arizona. So I'll go back and say West Virginia is the team most likely to make a deep run. I don't know if they can win the championship. Um, and then to answer your question with Kentucky, I just don't like the matchup. I just really don't because the thing is is that Kentucky would much more play at the pace, pace that UCLA does back and forth, up and down, than they would at the pace that, say, West Virginia – or not West Virginia, Wichita State played at in the second round. Mm-hmm. Now, they survived, now, they survived Wichita State, but that's not the game they want to play. The problem is, and this was the problem when they played at Rupp Arena – is that UCLA is better at playing that game than Kentucky is. And there's not many teams in the country, especially left in the tournament, that you can say that about, but UCLA is one of them. And if you're just going to get into a back-and-forth track meet with UCLA, then that's bad news. And the other thing, too, is that I know that Kentucky fans really feel like they're being overlooked, but I think a lot of the pressure is off of UCLA. I mean, Steve Alford has not been a traditionally great NCAA tournament coach, but, it, it, but you know, I think once you get past that Cincinnati game, um, you know, the pressure's kind of off. You know, if, if if you lose to Kentucky, obviously nobody wants to lose at this point in the tournament. But if you lose to Kentucky, you know, they're not 
they're not, you know, people aren't going to lose their minds over it, you know. And so I think a little bit of the pressure is off of UCLA, which is kind of scary because they were playing, you know, what looked like pretty pressure-free basketball uh, yesterday against Cincinnati. So I don't like the matchup for Kentucky, but like I said, I've been wrong quite a bit over the course of this tournament. I actually, obviously, I'm rooting for Kentucky. My life depends on it. But I actually do agree with you. I think UCLA is the only team that can out Kentucky by just running up and down the floor. And that's what sca- yep. they scare me. The, they really do scare me the most out of any team. They really do. And that's, that sucks. But that's just the reality. What do you yeah, and it, it's disappointing. And, you, you know, you talked about a lot of the stuff that happened on Selection Sunday. And, like, I actually don't think that it's really the tournament committee's fault that those three teams ended up in the um, in the same region. I mean, look, the bottom line is, there was a bunch of teams from, from the ACC that you kind of had to split up in the 2-3 line that, you know, you can't put Duke or Louisville in the same bracket as UNC. Obviously, one of those Pac-12 teams was probably going to end up in, in, in Kentucky's region. So it mm-hmm. sucks that those three – you know, I don't think it's the committee's fault, but, you know, sometimes you do wish, like, oh, man, you know, like I think in hockey they reseed the, the, the bracket after each round. It's like it would be pretty cool if we could reseed it from here so that we don't have to get Kentucky and UCLA – in one bracket when, you know, Wisconsin and whoever are playing in the other bracket, you know? Yeah, I agree 100%. Listen, Aaron Torres, I actually love having you. This is crazy. This is only the second time you've been on. I know you're big time now. You're on with Cowherd, but I do appreciate you coming on, and you got to come on more. We, I love having you on, just kicking it. And it's funny, I make, like, little post-it notes, and I can just talk to you for hours about sports, man. So I really do appreciate you uh, coming on. And where are you driving to? You said you had an hour drive. Where are you driving to? Um, I'm actually, uh, so obviously the last couple weeks really have been pretty hectic and crazy. And obviously the next couple weeks are pretty hectic and crazy. So I just decided to take a me day, Mike Sappho, Mike Safosnik. I, uh, I'm going to the beach, you know, I live in LA and I figured it'd be a good day to kind of just, I live about an hour from the beach, believe it or not, or the beach that I prefer and like. And so I decided, you know, just take a drive down, get some lunch, kind of, kind of, you know, unplug all that stuff and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, get a little tan and, and come back and, and get going for the next two weeks because, you know, obviously this time of year is crazy, but it's fun, but it's still good at, at times to, uh, you know, to just get away. So that that's what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah. It must be nice to live oh, on the beach. I just, I just got back from vacation, so I can't talk any shit, but it's, there's still snow on the ground here. It's 29 degrees in New York. It sucks right now, so. Yeah, I actually, uh, very briefly last Monday after the brackets were announced, and uh, it was about 85 degrees, and I went to the pool. So so I went to the pool last Monday. This Monday, I'm going to the beach. Next Monday, I don't I don't know where the world will take me, probably somewhere near water. But, you know, it's that time of year. you gotta get you got to get that summer sun. You know, I'm going to Phoenix for the Final Four, so i got to get my, what do they call it, my base tan going. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff I got, going on. That's why I got my base tan in Bali last week, so I'm all tanned up here in New York, so everything is good, my friend. Wow, talk about Talk about name drop. Did you go with Deacon, or who did you go on vacation with? <laughs> no, I, went with my boy, I went with my boy, John and Will. We went to Singapore, Vietnam, Bali, uh, Myanmar, Ooh. and Qatar. Nice little vacation we went on. Wow. That's incredible. Good for you, man. I don't even, Aaron I don't even have a joke that, on it. That's awesome. <laughs> my friend, thank you. I'll talk to you off air. We'll set something up while we hang out again, man. Thanks, Michael. I always appreciate you having me. Honestly, anytime you want me on, just let me know. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much, man. You're beyond knowledgeable, and I love having you on.